20, 20, 0. You tell me what it would take to get a hitting coach fired if it isn't watching your hitters, 20 of them, strike out in a single nine-inning game. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins where I found this. If I sound like I'm not in the necessarily the greatest frame of mind entering this episode, I'm not. I'm not. And I want to give you two reasons why. One is that one of the things that you learn in this business, whether it's in the spoken or written form of expressing opinion on sports, is that you do want to not get cavalier about calling for people's jobs. It's someone's livelihood. It's something that they've worked toward. It's not just a career, but it's, you know, it could be somebody putting their kid through college, you know, especially when it's not at the, you know, owner or GM or manager level where those guys are getting into healthy six-figure salaries. So when I say that Andy Haynes should be fired, it's not something where I go, boy, this will get a lot of attention for this particular episode or something like no it's because he is presiding over the worst offense we have ever seen in the city of Pittsburgh and now we're beginning to approach levels of the worst offense we've seen ever in the sport and if that sounds like hyperbole consider that the 20 strikeouts that the Pirates had against Jacob deGrom and the rest of the Mets staff. And I honestly, I, in this case, I really don't care who it was. I, I know who deGrom is, and I know what he represents and all that other stuff. I don't care. It's 20 strikeouts. There's nowhere to take that. Although, I mean, Derek Shelton did bring that up whenever he was asked about it in New York yesterday. Our younger players have to continue to grind through at bats and put the ball in play. You know, today we saw a guy at the top of his game and, and was able to execute all four pitches, and uh, that can give you a challenge when you have a young club. That's fine. That has to be what he says. Uh, there's no manager anywhere that buries one of their own coaches. Great way to lose your whole staff. Never mind the ripple effect through the clubhouse. So whatever. Okay. He's it's so much easier to say, hey, it's a bunch of young players and they're facing DeGrom. And even if there's truth to it, and there is, come on, it's 20 strikeouts. It's 20 strikeouts right after a game with 16, right after this very weekend in being swept by the Mets, all four games I should add, breaking the Pirates' own record for strikeouts in a season. Oh, 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 and one other thing. One other thing. Not to be left out of any reference related to this stuff is that this is the first year with the DH in the National League. This should have been, just on that count alone, an uptick, a big uptick kind of year for the offense. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and 
you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. I mentioned two reasons why I'm kind of eh today in doing this episode. And, and the other one is they're not going to do anything. At least Ben Charrington isn't. He's made that really clear, and he's going to be way, way, way more concerned about the fact that he just fired a hitting coach in Rick Eckstein and just brought in this guy, and then he's going to say just a handful of months later, whoa, no, dude, you were awful. You're out of here. Because who's who's going to look worse in that equation? Haynes or Charrington? It's Charrington by a mile. It's going to look like he can't hire. Even though there were some of us who were saying at the time that this was the worst possible choice. Since he'd just gotten fired by the Brewers, and he'd been the only guy on that staff who got fired right after they finished in first place on top of everything else. And because Charrington's not going to fire him, you're going to see this guy come back. And you're going to see the same type of results. Because why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? What would have anyone thinking that over the winter, that Haynes is going to have some great epiphany and become just this master of hitting who helps people and grooms young people and doesn't have them take backward steps as soon as they show up in Pittsburgh. And then from there, somehow somebody in management gets convinced that the solution for this, rather than finding a hitting coach who's capable, is to just send them all back right away to Indianapolis like they did with Cal Mitchell a hundred times when Mitchell finally said something about it. I do believe that there's a solution here. I do. And that's that the owner has to become involved. I've mentioned this to you guys before. There's precedent for it. Obviously, in 2019. Now, the precedent was infinitely more sweeping than getting rid of the hitting coach. But it was Nutting who went to field level, into the manager's office, physically, and fired. Clint Hurdle on the spot. Without Neil Huntington, without Frank Coonley, they got canned a lot later after some public pressure. But the first guy to go, the field manager, was fired by the owner, was fired by Nutting. And in the context of Nutting having said when he brought in Charrington and everybody else, that his number one frustration had been that the previous regime was constantly seeing guys leave Pittsburgh and get better somewhere else. That what he wanted to see more than anything else was elite instruction right here. Right here with this organization. That people would come here to get better. And then you just you watch this. And you watch a whole summer of this. And now you see them halfway into September striking out 16 times in one game, 20 in another. Somebody's got to do something. There's got to be some kind of accountability from someone regarding anything. When we come back, J1Q.
Today's J1Q comes from Jeff Stoyanov, who asks, I've watched this Altoona Curve team play, DK, and if this is the future talent for the big league club, you'll be exhorting us all to turn off daily shots from July on through 2030. Why is this management so inept while claiming that they have a plan? I I think, Jeff, that there is slash was a plan. I, I have said, and I will continue to repeat this, even if it ends up blowing up in my own face, that I really, really appreciated Ben Charrington's approach to building. I felt it was the right tactic in the broader sense to take And for those who don't know what I mean when I say that, the Pirates have forever made trades like the Garrett Cole trade, where they send out somebody for three, like, 4A type guys or AAA guys who have some upside, and somewhere in there is, like, one guy that they really like. So if you think about the Cole trade, the one guy that everybody liked, and this turned out to be a pretty good call, was Joe Musgrove. It's just that he had to get out of Pittsburgh in order for anything to come of that. But the previous guys did it too. Neil Huntington, when he traded Jason Bay and Xavier Nady, those were supposed to be like high-level type deals that would replenish the system. And instead, it was just a bunch of AAA Jose Tabata types. There was there was really nothing of substance to it. What Charrington did that was different was that he wanted to get ceiling guys. All right. That sounds good. Where are they? (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? There's a difference between lauding the approach and then recognizing the execution. The Pirates do not have some elite farm system. They might like to think that they do. They might like to think that the way they have valued their guys is different than the way uh, the people at Baseball America or MLB Pipeline or where else would... uh, evaluate them but every team thinks that and all of that evens out the fact of the matter is the top prospect in the pirate system is termar johnson who was just now the number four overall pick in the most recent draft and hasn't been in the pirate system long enough to you know fall off the list and go ahead and point to injuries for Quinn Priester, Henry Davis, Nick Gonzalez. That's all fair, but guess what? Injuries and everything else are part of the development process. They just are. So where Altoona is concerned, and I can respect that you've been there and you're seeing it, and you're right, it's not spectacular. It's not something where you'd go, whoa, here it comes, the next wave. Again, if Priester and Davis and Gonzalez and everybody was there doing everything that was anticipated of them, particularly Davis, a 1-1 in the draft, who's not even in the top 50 anymore, actually not in the top 80 anymore on Baseball America's list. You would still think that, especially as it relates to pitching, that Altoona would have had a whole bunch of goodness going on. Now, Here again, trying to offer context, Luis Ortiz was down there. He was just named Altoona's Pitcher of the Year, and we saw him come up and go completely batty, lights out, in his big league debut. That's interesting. That's something that maybe not a lot of us saw, and for the record, he 
wasn't in the Pirates' top 20 prospects on most lists. So there is justifiable skepticism about some of these lists when they come out. But I can also say to what you said, there's no one anywhere who's looking at the Altoona curve right now and thinking, yeah, man, that's it. That's it. That's the next big thing in Pittsburgh. It's just not. It's just not. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone putting up with my mood today. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. Thank you.